Hi and welcome to The Courageous Mama. Lovely to have you back. This week we're going to talk about consequences. It's one of the most misused of parenting tools. Yet it's so effective, it can actually end up getting overused. And it's been one of those where you can get consequence happy when you realise, oh, this works. Do you ever have those moments of frustration in family life where you've asked one of your children to do something and they just haven't? Now, whether that's getting out of the door in time, getting up to bed without mucking about, whether it's being nice to their sibling or doing a chore, or if they're a little bit older, perhaps it's doing their homework or coming home on time. Um, you know, back in the days when we actually went out somewhere. <laughs> but you get my drift. And you ask them and you ask them and it just doesn't get done. Does that frustrate you? And in your frustration, do you ever find yourself being that parent that you didn't ever want to be? The one that nags or raises their voice or threatens? Or perhaps you're the more silent type, the one that huffs or says something kind of disenabling, like, oh, you never do what you're asked to do. Or, or I don't know why you won't put your stuff away. That's what I'm here to tackle this week. How can we have a good outcome without losing our connection with our child? Because that's what those things do. They lose our connection. If you've listened to earlier podcasts, I talked about the bridge being our relationship with our child. You owning one side and your child owning the other. Or one surefire way to build up obstacles on the bridge that make them not want to pass across to our side or certainly not want us to pass across to their side is when we yell at them is when we get irritated or, or label them or huff or nag. All of those things make them want to push us away. And of course, it's not wrong to have expectations of our children. We have a desire to see them grow, to see them flourish, to take responsibility for the things that are, in fact, their responsibility. So is there another way? Is there a way that we can encourage our children to raise in their responsibility levels without putting barricades and blockages and causing rust and rot and decay on our bridge. Yes, there is. You know, it's often the case when I'm sitting across from a parent because they've come wanting a bit of support with a child or family life that I'll say to them, have you tried consequences? And 99% of the time they'll say, yes, yes, we've tried that and promptly followed by quite often and it doesn't work. So I'll venture a little further, not because I'm trying to catch them out, but I just want to see if we're on the same page and I'll ask for an example. And I've yet to come across one that I would consider to be a logical consequence. The examples that I'm given are what I would call punishments. So I'd really like to clear up the difference between a punishment and a consequence. A consequence has to be directly related to the choice that the child has made. So an example that I often give is my bins have to go out on a Monday night. If I don't put my bins out, the council doesn't come round and, you know, knock at the door and say, Mrs. Stanamaros, your bins weren't out last night, so we're going to cut your Wi-Fi off for the week. It's just not logical, is it? I might get bin build-up and rubbish. I might get rats or mice. I might get the dog eating up the stuff around the bin and ending up down at the vet because it's had a chicken bone. There might be all sorts of logical consequences to me not putting the bin out, but it won't be my Wi-Fi being cut off. So that's what we're doing with children. We're looking at the ways that we can logically help them to see that the choice that they've made has led to this. So that in order for them to be responsible, every time they make a choice, they invoke that frontal lobe and they think, how's this going to work out? What's going to be the outcome of this choice? And that becomes second nature to them. 
Because life will be logical. It will have logical consequences. If you don't put petrol in your car, it will stop somewhere, somewhere really inconvenient. But nobody will stop your pocket money. Nobody's going to take away your computer time. You're just going to be stuck somewhere without petrol and you're probably going to be running late. So putting logical consequences into our children's lives help them to feel that life is a little more fair. So, for example, um, a common punishment that I've heard is taking away their bedtime story. Well, that's logical if the child is mucking about so much over bedtime that they haven't left time for a bedtime story. But it's not logical if you've threatened them because they've jumped on the sofa or run rings around you at dinner time or upset their siblings or not done their spellings. Then it's a punishment. It had nothing to do with any of those things. Now, don't get me wrong. Punishments work. Taking away a child's phone will work or their computer time. But the problem is they're not connection. Control works. So does manipulation. But there's a catch. They erode relationship. They're very useful in places where there doesn't need to be so much relationship. It would be hard for the government to form relationship with all of us. So they have to put things in place like speeding tickets. They're a form of control. And schools have to do that with detentions and councils need to do that with parking tickets and so on. But we have an advantage in family life. We've got relationship, we've got accountability and we don't need to resort to force. So how about an example? When our children were a mixture of sort of under 10 and teenagers, they used to come in and they would dump their shoes in the hallway. And it just sort of grew like a charity shop, you know. It sort of had ballet shoes and rugby boots and there were school shoes. And I used to regularly say to them, look, can you put your shoes away? It's, it's just such a mess in here, I can't even get through. And of course they go, yeah, mum, yeah, mum. But it was, you know, there were more important things to do and they didn't get round to it. And so that's the point when you look for a logical consequence. If you consequence absolutely everything they do, the poor kids are just going to be hemmed to the wall. It's about taking something that just isn't working in family life or a particular character aspect of your child that you can see isn't growing and putting a consequence in there so that they can make a choice that works well for them and for the family that are living with them. So I noticed they weren't taking any notice of my pleas and I thought I am not going to nag I'm going to put a consequence in place. So what I did was I started taking the shoes down to the end of the garden in the shed. Now, we all have different homes and there'll be different consequences for you, but we just happen to have a long garden. And so I started lining them up very neatly. And of course, the moment would come and they were trying to get out of the door and they were late for ballet or they were late for rugby. Or, hey, where's my rugby boots? I don't my rugby boots. I left them in here in the hall. And go, Mom, where are my rugby boots? And I said, oh, sweetheart, I noticed that you didn't choose to put them away in your shoebox. So I've popped them down in the shed because I kept tripping over them. You what? <laughs> so stop there a second. They're not going to love it. But also notice I didn't use it as a form of defence. It wasn't a moment of glee when they're frustrated and running late. And in fact, they did often run late in that little season. And sometimes they missed out on stuff. If you're late for rugby, you might not get picked for the team. If you're late for ballet, you might not catch the bus that gets you there on time and so on. So I didn't need to stand there with glee. I actually just wanted the consequence to do the teaching. I didn't want to rub it in. I didn't want to persuade them to rethink. I was just able to empathise. Empowered parenting 
isn't loud parenting. It isn't sarcasm. I could have said, huh, well, I wonder why I put them there. Maybe you'll learn for next time. Tempting, but it wasn't useful in that moment. And I know that's hard and it requires patience. But in the end, I'm trying to keep our bridge intact. And I know that that method was far more effective than me nagging and getting cross and starting to shout at them day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out. I'm chatting to parents who are struggling with their children in their late teens and they can hear themselves saying the same things that they were saying when they were seven and eight. So a consequence might feel in the first instance like, gosh, that's a massive hurdle to jump. But we're future proofing. We're trying to protect them from endless years of nagging and disconnect on that bridge of relationship. We're being empowered. We're showing them how our home works best for everyone and that they're welcome to fall in or walk in the consequence of a well thought through logical consequence. That's responsibility. And I'm going to give you lots more examples, of course. But to let you know that children will resist logical consequences, it's much easier for your child if you're in a spin. It's not that they like being shouted at or huffed or watching you dance and hold your head and go in a merry spin around the kitchen because everybody hasn't cleared up again, but because when you're out of control, they're in control. It's actually like they've got a remote control and they're pressing it and they're going, jump mummy, sit mummy, jump daddy, spin daddy. And that becomes a place of familiarity for them. They know the drill. It's not comfortable. It's not connected, but it's familiar. And consequences won't be familiar. Now, I'm not sure what your child's response would be to finding that their shoes were all the way down the end of the garden, particularly when it's winter and it's a bit muddy. They're unlikely to say, what a cracking idea, mum. They're far more likely to say, well, wouldn't it have been easier just to put them in my room or in my shoebox? That's them wanting to press your buttons. They want to reel you into their pit. And they want you to go, yes, but I asked you a hundred times and you weren't doing anything about it. But actually, it's the point where you drop the bait and swim away. Spare yourself. And perhaps in order to spare yourself, it would be helpful to have a one-liner. You could go with empathy. I understand that's frustrating for you. I'm sorry this is hard for you. Or perhaps if they're really battering you, you could just say, that well may be. That's one that I used for years. Or sometimes I said, that may well be. I like a variety. But in the end, what you're trying to do is to stop yourself jumping in the pit and swimming around with them in the kind of mess of who put the shoes where and who should and who shouldn't and who did and who didn't. This is a new way. It's an empowered way, but it's not a cruel way. That's why I've made sure, before I come to talk about consequences, that we've laid a bed of empathy, of choices, of relationship, before we even begin to talk about boundaries and consequences and discipline. So if you've missed any of those podcasts, do go back and hear them first. It's a really important foundation for this part. And what we have to be careful with consequences is they don't morph back into punishments. One parent said to me a while ago, I try to link everything to the phone and use the phone as a consequence. Not helpful, but it was great. It got us into a good conversation and she found a few good consequences for the things in family life that were frustrating her at that time. So consequences need to be safe, they need to be enforceable and they need to be a natural outcome linked to the behaviour. And we need to be sure that we're leaving them a clear choice 
not just manipulating them to do what we want. You can put your shoes in your shoebox or I will clear your shoes away. I'm not hiding them. I'm not cutting them into pieces. I'm simply putting them out of my way where I don't trip over them. As Rose shared at a snippet at the beginning there, it's so tempting once you work out consequences to go for everything because it is an effective way to parent. And then you can get yourself in a muddle because you're trying to think of a consequence for absolutely everything and the children are feeling hemmed to the wall and you're exhausted from coming up with ideas. And in the end, you can't grow everything at once. We know that when we're trying to build skill or responsibility in ourselves, we don't do everything at once. We choose something that we can tackle and be successful with. And it's the same with our kids. So for example, I had a child who was perennially running late. But that child was very organised. They had everything in boxes and bags and put by the door for the next morning. In fact, I don't even know why they ran late, but it was just a habit. So if one day that child forgot something and desperately needed it at school, we would have been happy to run it in because actually organisation was not the character flaw. Lateness was. We didn't jump in and rescue that child when they were running late because we could see that it was an area that needed character development. Conversely, we had another child that was disorganised. They would pretty much forget everything, but they were always on time. And when that child phoned from school and said, I've forgotten this, I've forgotten that or the other, we wouldn't run it in, much to their frustration. But what we would do is if they were ever running late, we might give them a hand because that wasn't a character flaw for them. So it's working out where your child needs a little bit of a boost in their responsibility levels and going for that one thing. So it might be getting dressed in order to get out in the morning. I know that's not relevant now, but it's totally relevant for so many people in normal times. It might be mucking about at dinner time. It might be bedtime. It might be coming home late. It might be being rude to a sibling. It might be not getting their chores done. Whatever the character thing is, pick one thing and find a consequence around that and gently let them walk in that and then be there to empathise when they don't have the outcome they wanted. And if you can't think of a consequence on the spot, give yourself time to form a plan. You can let the child know that you're disappointed with their behaviour. Not disappointed with them, that's a very different thing, but disappointed with the choice that they made and that you're going to have to have a think about how you're going to respond to that. And I do remember this particular day when I was standing in the hallway and we were trying to get out the door and the children were running late and one of them was still mucking about at the top of the stairs and my husband said, right, that's it, I'm stopping your pocket money. And I looked at him and everything and we was like, come on, we've got a new way forward. And then we sort of looked at each other and went... Well, we're practising. We're trying here. And uh, actually, we have managed to switch across. But of course, there are times when we throw something off the top of our heads. So rest assured, I'm not standing here claiming perfection. But I am saying there's a better way forward. So please know, not everybody's got this taped and got consequences at the ready. But as you journey it, you'll find it much, much easier to find logical consequences as opposed to punishments. Be reassured, you won't need a million consequences in your family life. Most flashpoints in family life are actually repetitions. Their lateness, their untidiness, their rudeness or laziness or lateness. And as I said before, not all of them will be poor habits. They might just be a one-off thing. You'll know by the frequency which ones actually need a consequence. I had to trip on a number of shoes before I stopped and thought, right, I think it's time for a consequence. So let me give you a few examples. These are from friends 
or clients or people who have come on the course and of course they're all shared with permission. So one woman was explaining that her 10-year-old has always fought against heading up at the end of the day when it's bedtime and of course that became a difficult and frustrating time of the day. So rather than getting angry she said she was available for 15 minutes and after that she'd be going downstairs to get on with the evening jobs. And then she went upstairs and she sat on his bed for that 15 minutes. And of course, the first night, it went horribly wrong. He was dragging his feet, he couldn't find his stuff, he didn't want to scrub his teeth and so on. And just as expected, when it came to the end of the 15 minutes, he wasn't ready. But the aim of the consequence is not to force. It's to empower you to empower them. So she gently said to him, I'm really sorry, there isn't time for me to tuck you in and read a story tonight because that 15 minutes is over. And of course he was absolutely furious and he couldn't believe she was really going to do that. But off she went downstairs and it took a couple more nights, but sure enough, he started getting ready for bed in five minutes and joining her for his bedtime story. And here's a story that I love that a mum gave to me. So her four-year-old, didn't like using cutlery. He preferred to use his fingers. So he would get his fingers all sticky, he would get the table sticky, and also she knew as a mum it was about that time when he could mature onto using a knife and fork, but he flatly refused. So she said to me, I've tried everything. I've tried forcing him, I've tried nagging him, I've tried telling him what knives and forks are for. (laughs) Nothing seems to work. And she said, it just means that we have fallout over dinner time. So that's that disconnect on the bridge that we're talking about. Well, this particular mum knew that disconnect was happening and there was no way she was going to put up with that. So she wanted a way forward. So I asked what he particularly loved about mealtimes and she said that he loves it when she sits next to him, when she's not sort of around the kitchen doing chores whilst he's eating, but when she's actually sitting next to him, focusing on him and enjoying that time together. So I made a suggestion to her and she tried it and this is what she did. She said to him, you're welcome to use your fingers and if you do, I'm going to sit here at the end of the table because I don't want to get sticky fingers on me or I might get up and just do some chores whilst you're having dinner. But if you choose to use your knife and fork, I'd love to sit next to you because then I feel that my clothes aren't going to get sticky. And then she sat at the end of the table and waited for him to make his choice. Well, he was most put out by that and he opted for the cutlery. And that was the end of sticky fingers at the table. And I think that's a fab example because she's not getting cross with him. She's not getting annoyed. She's actually managing herself and inviting him to manage himself. And that's an expression that you'll hear over and over on this podcast. I manage me, you manage you. I make my choices, you make your choices. But sometimes your choices will impact my choice. And on this occasion, that was the case. So that was a success. There was another mother that said that she was really frustrated that her children wouldn't help clear off all the toys and the mess at the end of each day. She said she tried cajoling them, she tried repeating herself, she be- and she said it had all become exhausting. And then after she came come to one of my sessions, she sat down and she thought, right, that's the one characteristic I really want to go for at the moment. So she said to the children, all the toys that you clear up, you can keep. And needless to say, they didn't pay an awful lot of attention to that. So she picked up all the toys that they'd played with and left out and not put away and put them in a box and she popped it upstairs in the loft. And sure enough, the next day, they were missing some toys. And they minded about the toys missing. She wasn't going to nag them. She wasn't going to say, I told you so. She just reminded them that at the end of the day, when we put the toys away, anything you put away, you get to keep. 
Now, she wasn't confiscating these toys forever. She confiscated them for a month. But interestingly, the next night when she said, you get to keep all the toys that you put away, they put all their toys away. And she said she's even noticed that when they have friends round, that they encourage their friends to help them put the toys away after they finish playing as well. That's responsibility. Now, I'm going to tell you one about food battles because they're tough, aren't they, the food battles? And my basic principle would be you can't manage what goes in a child's mouth and you can't manage what comes out of a child's body. Those are two battles that we will visit over the podcast here and there. But what you can do is you can manage mealtimes, you can manage what you put on the table, you can manage when you put it on the table. So here's a great story from a mum. She says, our eldest son was two and a half when he started becoming fussy about his food. Mealtimes were beginning to be a battleground. So there you go. That's the bridge getting rot or rust or decay or barricades on it. And it's hard to cross. So she said, we asked advice from a friend who was a paediatric doctor. And he suggested that we give him a couple of food options at each mealtime and then leave the food there for about 10 minutes and let him know that he has a choice of whether to eat it or not. And the paediatrician assured her that after a few meals, as long as she didn't offer him snacks in between meals, he would begin to eat again. She said, if I hadn't tried this, I would have started to become fearful about whether or not he was eating enough and mealtimes, of course, would have become a him versus me battle. I first tried it one evening and he chose not to eat. So I cleared the meal away after 15 minutes. And I should think she probably felt a little bit mean when she did that the first time because it's so much easier to rescue our children than to stick with consequences. But remember, it's the long game and it's preventing us from 10, 15 years ahead of nagging. Throughout the next day, he ate one or two spoonfuls at mealtimes, but very little. She says, I held my nerve and I didn't try to talk him into eating. On the third day, he came into our room first thing in the morning and asked for food. I put his usual breakfast out, which he'd normally have refused, and he wolfed it down and he went on to eat three meals that day and from that day on. Looking back, it was a power struggle. And if we hadn't offered him a logical consequence, we'd have been bribing and coaxing him for years. So those are some great examples of how people have used consequences in family life and ended up with really great results. And I know for us, as well as a myriad of other great consequence results, my children know where to put their shoes if they want to find them. So I'm going to wrap up with three reasons why it's hard to do consequences and three reasons why it can be really transforming. It's hard because it takes longer. It's an investment. It's far quicker to swoop in and cover our children's mistakes than to allow them space to experience the effect. It's much easier to put their shoes in their room and clear up their toys than trotting down to the shed or putting them in the loft. It's easier to remember to grab their coat or a snack that they might have otherwise left behind than to leave them to remember. It's harder because nagging is a habit. It's easier just to be on their tail. I've told you about your shoes. Are you going to put these shoes away? Put these shoes away now is so much quicker and easier than running down to the end of the garden and putting them in the shed. And the last one is it can feel unkind. It feels much kinder to run an item to school than to allow them to get a detention. It can feel unkind because we're putting their needs above their desires. And that's courageous. That's contending for character. And now for three advantages. When you move across to consequences and actually end up with a culture of consequences naturally in your household, 
You'll find that you no longer have to nag. And what a massive advantage that is. To never have to hear yourself. I've told you a million times. Can't you remember your own things? I can't believe I'm doing this for you again. Does that sound familiar? Well, that'll be a thing of the past. And you can save your voice for the more fun stuff, for the better parts of relationship. And secondly, they build responsibility. If you control and nag, you will get a child to do what you want them to do eventually. But you're not building responsibility on the inside, you're closhing them from the outside. If we want them to leave our home and know that they'll make good choices even when we're not watching, then we need to build that responsibility on the inside. And that's what consequences do. They lead them to make their own choices in the knowledge of the consequences that will naturally follow. Rather than doing things to avoid our wrath, and they learn to develop the habit of thinking with their frontal lobe before they make a decision. And lastly, and certainly not least, your voice has weight rather than volume. When you say something, your children listen, because they know you're not going to buckle and bow and rescue and save and swoop and scoop. They know that there'll be consequences for all the choices that they make, hopefully mostly good consequences. But if they make a poor choice, there might be some difficult ones too, because we're big enough for them. And we don't mind them failing. And we're not ready to shout and yell and scream at them. We're ready to champion them, even when we find it difficult. So consequences are not another way to control our kids. They're another way to love our kids. And having gone through and done the long game and come out the other side with friends who have done the same, I can honestly say the advantages are endless and I wouldn't go back. So I'm going to ask you a favour now. I'm going to follow up next week with three things. Firstly, I'd love to hear if you've tried consequences and how it's gone for you and if you've got any good examples. And don't worry, I won't use your real names or where you're from. And secondly, if you've got a characteristic that you're trying to develop in one of your children and you want a good consequence to put in place, you want some ideas, then ping me your scenario and I'll respond to some of those. And also, if I have time this week, I'm going to ask my own children to come on the podcast and tell us how it felt for them to grow up in a home where consequences were used. So come and find me. You can PM me on Instagram at The Courageous Mama. There's a few ways to spell that, so check the name of the podcast to get the right one. Or you can email me, madelinestanny at iCloud.com. <laughs>